Welcome to In the Spotlight. This is a podcast brought to you by the Guild of HR Professionals in association with Lace Partners. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This is the Guild of Human Resources Professionals, and we have another podcast for you as part of our In the Spotlight series. I'd really like to welcome Andrew Pullman. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us. My pleasure. So, Andrew, you and I know one another through the Guild, and you and I um, have talked for some time about doing a podcast together, and I invited you to be part of the series. But before we get into the topic we really want to share with everybody tonight, I'm always worried that I make a mistake introducing somebody in their background. So would you mind giving us an insight into you, what you do, but also what brought you into HR? Yeah, certainly. So as you say, my name's Andrew Pullman. I have been in and around HR for over 30 years. My my route to HR is, is not your traditional route. So I, I, my first career was in the army for seven years, went to Sandhurst, uh, popped out of the army, ended up by pure fluke entering the city, ended up working at JP Morgan, the US bank um, in the front office and sales as part of their graduate scheme, got sent to New York, got trained, came back, and then a couple of years into that, got clonked on the back of the head and offered a role in training, which sort of made sense given my background. But so reluct- half reluctantly, I sort of stepped into the world of training and development, but thoroughly enjoyed it and found that it was an area that, particularly from an environment where you train 70 to 80% of the time, it sort of made a lot of sense for my previous career. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, and... Then a year or so later, I had this business idea to set up my first business and so resigned and left and set up a training business. Unfortunately, the timing was appalling. It lasted literally a year and I had to pull the plug on it in 1990. So I had to go and get a proper job. But I had in the back of my mind that one day I would go back and do my own, my own thing. And so worked for a number of banks, ending up at... Resna Kleinwart as global head of HR for the capital markets business. So I transitioned from training across into HR uh, and then ended up uh, in that role. Um, And following a a sort of big reorganization around 2005, 2006, I decided it was time to leave and set up my own business again. Um, And that's when I decided to step away and set up uh, an HR consultancy, which I did in 2006. Uh, And it's called People Risk Solutions. I came up with the name because people issues within the city sometimes can be regarded as very soft issues. So I thought people and risk were fairly sort of key words that were important. And what I was interested in was providing solutions. So that's where the name came from. Uh, And so for the last 14 years, I've been running People Risk Solutions as an HR consultancy. It's a virtual business, which in the current environment doesn't look too odd in the sense that we don't have offices. Uh, We have about 35 consultants on the bench and we provide outsourced HR. We do management effectiveness. We do a lot of work in for SNCR and uh, around culture and values. We uh, also do outplacement 
And then more recently, which is fairly topical at the moment, is I've decided to set up a, a well-being practice. So we are looking uh, at the whole area of well-being, in particular mental health, uh, starting by offering organisations mental health first aid uh, training. So we're using um, the auspices of uh, Mental Health England, who have a, a whole range of fantastic trainers. Um, so we wrap it up into a into a, a two-day module that's split over four days because uh, it's done online and train people how to be first mental health first aiders. Uh, and we're looking at whole other aspects of the whole area of, of, of well-being. So that's my journey, if you like. Oh, thank you, Andrew. And, you know, one of the reasons um, we talked about you coming and doing a podcast with us is that you and I have something in common and we're both... I think equally passionate about well-being, particularly mental well-being, as you say, and setting yeah. up the specific practice. Do you, you and I have had a debate about this, but shall we share with everybody the discussion we've had about why it's so important and how critical it is at this time for us to be talking about it more and, and developing those skills and awareness for people? Yes, certainly. You know, my experience of the last seven months has really shone a light on this whole area because everybody, in my view, everybody has been affected in some way with their mental health. In the same way you have the physical health where you, you know, you can injure yourself or break a leg or cut yourself or whatever. Um, we've all got mental health as well. And, and the two are very, you know, linked together. And I think everybody has experienced some form of problem, issue, albeit mainly small ones probably for people, but the stresses and strains of the last few months are, are, are across the board. You start with the whole medical issue, you know, am I going to get COVID or not? Am I in a risk group or not? Is my family at risk? Are my aunts and uncles and grandparents and kids, et cetera, et cetera? And then you move into the whole economic side of things. You know, have I got a job? Am I going to be furloughed? Am I going to have enough money to pay the bills, et cetera, et cetera? And, and it's a bit like I was talking to somebody the other day and, and, and trying to explain all these different angles on, on how people can get uh, stressed or find it difficult. And they said, well, it's a bit like peeling an onion. There are so many layers and so yeah, many different so true. That is so true. Andrew, the, the other thing that I've probably got more aware of and I'm very happy to share my own personal story but is this isn't just about us thinking as employers about our employees mm. it's increasingly important to people that we think about their wider families and what support might be put in place to help them because you're right it's it's not just about the employee it's the impact on their family which then has an impact on the employee it's it's you know, what more can we do to think about their whole well-being and, and that of their support structure? Absolutely. And I think one lens on that is the fact that increasingly, and we've all been subject to Zoom calls, Microsoft Team calls, and all of the other types of calls that you can do, where you actually have people sitting in their homes in some shape or form, sometimes being interrupted by kids, dogs, wives, yes. husbands, whatever, so you suddenly get an insight into, into 
you know, the, the person beyond the screen, if you like. But it would be interesting, you know, you mentioned you, that, that you've got personal experience of, of dealing with these difficult situations. I think it might be helpful, perhaps, for people to understand a little bit about that. Just Yes, no, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to share my my experiences that, and I've shared with Andrew, and I hadn't done that, I don't think, Andrew, before our discussion specifically on this, which is I'll be open and say that I, I was married for quite some time, and over a long, long period of time, my husband, as he was at the time, became progressively more unwell with anxiety and depression to the point when um, he couldn't work he wasn't able to look after the children because I had two small boys at that point and fundamentally didn't want to go out the house but if he did go out the fat house needed to really drink quite a lot to have the courage to go out and then that drinking became more of a, a pattern and a norm so in addition alcohol became an issue so you know there were concerns about would he self-harm was he able to yeah. look after the children? So I lived in this horrible situation for a long time where, and by the way, this just doesn't happen overnight because if it did, it, it would feel real, wouldn't it? But yeah. it yeah. creeps, it creeps up on you yeah. to the point when I was living two lives. I was living the life at work, and to be honest, it was an escape. Yes. And then I would come home to a completely different world, but I'd be worried all day about yeah. what going on but equally unfortunately I'd come home six half six at night someone that was drunk basically yeah so I was a full-time carer and it just got to the point when I didn't know which way to turn and I have to say it's not very talked about is it so few of my close friends and family knew but not generally yes I didn't know where to go for help I didn't know what to do I do now much of that is to do with my role by the way yeah but it just wasn't talked about either. But I was a full-time carer for an adult as well as two children. That's tough. It is. And I think, unfortunately, your your story and your experience is not wildly unusual in, mm. in the sense that I think, and particularly I think within the HR profession, I think we do take a lot on our shoulders. And you've obviously had, you know, the personal home issues that you had on your shoulders. So you, your mental health was under, under pressure. Absolutely. Under on top of anything else that the organisation might like to throw, throw at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this is, and I, it, it's become very vivid to me recently because I've, had, I've, I've been looking at this whole area for, for some time and wanting to try and see where to get involved and, 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 and do something in the wellbeing space. And linked up with um, uh, Dee and Mark Savage, who, who are working in this space, and this, they're, they're leading the, this well-being practice. But what um, Mark and I both did was um, we went and got trained as mental health first aiders. So yeah. we went on the course over the last couple of weeks. So we, it's four um, half-day sessions uh, on Zoom with some homework. And it really opens your eyes to a lot of the issues that people face that you know, are hidden and you, you don't see these things. And part of the issue, I think, at the moment particularly is for organisations to start to be a bit more aware of what might be going on and to keep check on people, particularly if you're not seeing them every day, face-to-face. 
Absolutely. And do you know what? I did that mental health first aid course as well during lockdown. Right. And I wish it had been available 10 years ago. Mm. And I could feel certain light bulbs going on with me. But I tell you the other thing, uh, it's almost for me, if I could say, recommend anything to an HR professional out there is go on it. Yes. Because the signs, how to deal with it, what to react, how to say, but also all the the things I didn't know about, about where are the places you can go or set, advise people to go and get, you know, send them to for more help and support. I didn't know until, believe it or not, lockdown. So I would say to any HR professional, it is so insightful and so useful. It's another toolkit, isn't it? It's another thing to have in your toolkit. Absolutely right. And I think, I think um, you, know, in, you know, in the HR profession where, you know, we are the people people. So, you know, we're the people that the organisation will come to to help solve the people problems the whole area and i think it, it luckily now and, and i think due to due to the covid situation but also other things over the last year or two the whole issue of mental health has become much less taboo than it was yeah. and therefore i think less macho not you know people now will talk about it so one of the one of the things that, that we've introduced you know to help some people is i called it coaching plus because I didn't want to call it coaching and mental health because I think that would put yeah. people off. Yeah, yeah true. But the point is, senior people particularly at the moment, uh, and I, I include you know uh, HR folk in that because um, are at the leading edge of where all this is going on in the organisation and need you know they get stressed and strained by it all as you've just described your experience. You know, others are having similar situations and and having to deal with all of that and. Um, more help you can offer, the better, I think. I think uh, leadership can be a tough and lonely place, but also HR can be a tough and lonely place. So the more yeah. support you can reach out for, and if you're doing that, Andrew, that's that's a brilliant support mechanism for people. Yes. We're not very good at asking for help, are we? But if we ask for coaching and support, that's great. I, I, I shared with you earlier that a lot of my coaching at the moment, when you get really into it and peel back the onion you described, mental health is underneath it. Yes. Well, it's present in everybody and it varies with everybody. And you can't, the, the problem is you can't see it. And, and, and what I, the way I like to describe it is it's, you could be looking absolutely fine on the surface, but you do need to lift up the bonnet occasionally and have a look. We're not um, very good at that, are we? We're not very good at that as humans. I, I think HR people are. I think, to be honest, men particularly aren't very good at it. I think mm-hmm. women are probably better at it. But, I, you know, I don't, there's no sort of gender thing on here. But, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I think it is really important. And uh, interestingly, I didn't mention in my journey, one of the things that I got involved in last year was to write a book with my colleague Paul Aldrich. And we wrote a book which came out in October called Building an Outstanding Workforce. And we looked at all aspects of leading and managing people. Unfortunately, we, it came out in October and we hadn't actually factored in the pandemic, but yeah. um, we did luckily have, lot, there's lots of stuff in there about managing a virtual workforce and outsourcing stuff and how, you know, looking at well-being and mental health and, and diversity and all the sort of issues of the day. But it was quite uh, interesting as we researched it and looked at it that 
you know, that there is a, in particularly in this well-being area, that there, there is a, you know, it's almost unknown area in many ways. And I think it's it's a it's a it's an area that that we need to do spend more time on. I, I guess there were two thoughts I had, which is one, your point about it's particularly hard for men to share. I think some of the great stuff that sports personalities, TV personalities have done on sharing their stories has been incredibly powerful about opening up the topic, particularly for men. But also some very senior leaders of organisations, I'm thinking about CEO of Quilters or Lloyds Banking Group, who have shared their personal story. That that's helping, isn't it? Just open up the whole topic. Definitely. I mean, it was a very good program. You mentioned sport, Freddie Flintoff. Um, I saw that. It's amazing. Where who has been suffering from bulimia? You'd never years. thought that, would you? No. Oh. And, and he's still suffering. Mm. I, think. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but but you know, he's in a certain state of denial about it. I think, unfortunately, but I think he did open up the topic, and hopefully, he's having further further help and discussions. But that was fascinating. Um, and yeah, as you say, who would, who knew? And that, that I think is part of the, that's a major part of the problem. It, it can't be seen. No. And occasionally you get a little glimpse behind the curtain. Um, and as HR people, I think we need to be prepared to be able to, you know, spot it or at least see some signs. We're not there to fix it. And that's one of the key lessons I'm sure as you, you found with the mental health first aid training is that we're not being tra- we're not trained to fix it or to diagnose it but what we are trained to do is to support and help and point in the right direction to try and get help yeah and just andrew just thinking about our profession mm. and the fellowship and the support we provide to hr professionals what's some of the guidance you would give them with regards to sort of skills experience that they can get in addition to the first aid course? I think one of the key things for me, in my experience, and working with various organisations, is to really get to understand the business that you're supporting. I think all too often HR, probably through uh, quite often, that they don't have a willingness to get under the skin of the business because they probably don't understand it fully. So they think, well, we'll stand back. It, I think it's really important to get to know the business, get to understand. Then you can start to add more value. And I think that's really important. And, and also the second thing I would say is remember that HR is there as a, as a support function to support the business and help it grow and develop. Um, you're not there as a policeman telling them you can't do this, you can't do that all the time, because that loses credibility. And I think the third top tip, I suppose, is, is and that's come through um, particularly in the last six or seven months, is that it reminds people that actually organisations are about people. They are not about buildings, laptops, computers or whatever. It's about the people. And I think I'm hopeful that, that the people side of businesses has come further up the agenda and it's an opportunity for HR people to step up to the plate and actually show how they can add value to the business. And I've seen it several times in yeah. the last few months where people have done that and suddenly there's like, it's almost like a sort of, I don't know, um, uh, uh, opening of eyes from the senior management of the business. Go, oh, actually, oh, these people know what they're talking about. You know, you could actually help us. 
And they can make a difference to our business and our people. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, this topic, the one I'm about to mention, keeps coming up, Andrew. And I'm wondering in your you know, experience and in your discussions with people, if you're coming across it, is people are working from home. What can we do as an organisation, as a profession, to make sure people are getting the support they need for their well-being, even though they may be working from home? What are the things we can do? I think the first thing, the most important thing, is communication. Mm. I couldn't believe it the other day. I was talking to somebody who was working in a business, and they told me that they had not had a proper meeting with their colleagues since February. And I was aghast at this. I mean, they've talked to some people, and they've had email exchanges, and they've had the odd meeting, but they hadn't actually had a proper team meeting where they got together to talk about stuff. That's just shocking, uh, isn't all, it? I think that was shocking, and I don't think that's alone. I think and that's mainly because line managers don't know what to do. Yeah. And don't know how to manage. So I, I, I think we've, the, the couple of things. One is the communication is really important. I think an, an HR can help help uh, people in the business to, to, to do that and to, keep, and to keep in touch with people. I also don't think that it's good enough just to do a load of pulse surveys. I think, you know, that's, you know, electronic and typically and isn't, isn't actually talking to people. Yeah. So I think it, 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 it's trying to, you know, get engagement with people on a more regular basis and think about what is the, the workplace going to look like for your organization going forward. You know, if you'd asked me two months ago, Everyone was thinking, oh, great, by September, you know, it'll all be fine and we'll be out of the worst. And Well, of course, we aren't. We're going into the next level yeah. of this. And I there aren't any straightforward answers in terms of what I – I hate the expression new normal, but I think we are going into an environment where work will be very different. And I've seen that with, with a range of – I mean, we work mainly with financial services and professional services clients. And it's fascinating to see the range of responses. At one end of the scale, you have – organizations saying um, from now on you're going to work from home all the time and then you've got other people saying no 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 the best excuse the worst excuse i heard was we have a canteen downstairs that's got to be kept open so everybody's got to come into the office so that we can use a canteen so there are it's bizarre how people are responding to all of this but what is the work what is your workplace going to look like i think it's the role of hr to help with that discussion but you need to start by understanding what the business is going to be doing and therefore how can it be peopled someone said someone said something really powerful to me the other day and i keep thinking about it which is don't look in the rear view mirror all the time about where you've been in your journey because the rear view mirror is very small make sure you look ahead through the windscreen it's so much bigger and you need to keep your eye on the road and where it's going. And I just thought, wow, that's really impressive. That is. No, that's very insightful. That 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 really does encapsulate where we are at the moment, I think. Mm. The rear view mirror is it ain't gonna help you much because no. everything's <laughs> changed. I mean, yeah. the road behind you is 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 gone. It's history. Mm. Uh, what what is in front of us? And we are on uncharted roads. Potentially. We don't know. There's no map to follow, is there? 
There isn't. Nobody has a map. Nobody has a map. And and you know we've we've got we've got all sorts of twists and turns ahead of us. But then you know I I, I tend those that know me know that I tend to be on the um, optimistic side of things. My my wife actually says that I'm oppressively optimistic, which gives <laughs> me a bit, a bit far down the end of the thing. But for me, this is and and also you know I'm also a member of the Guild of Entrepreneurs. And because I run the business and, and, you know, one of the things uh, talking to colleagues in that space is that, you know, these sorts of situations are opportunities. Yeah. And I think for HR, this is a huge opportunity and you've got time to grasp it. Even if you haven't already, there's a huge opportunity ahead to help shape the way forward and I think through the guild in particular and particularly as we grow and particularly as we have more of a voice and and you know the, the as we grow to be, hopefully become a, a livery company in the not too distant future I think there's a there's a there's a, there is a huge opportunity for us to really do some interesting stuff in a, in a sea of uncertainty so I see it as a as a positive rather than a sort of ah what are we going to do? Yeah, no, I'm like you. I'm the eternal optimist and, and we've got to move things forward and keep moving forward, to be honest. Andrew, you have very neatly brought us to a really good point in the discussion where I say to you, why have you joined the Guild? What's important about the Guild to you? What does it mean to you? I think first and foremost, it's fellowship with fellow professionals in a similar space. But then that very quickly also links into giving back. I think I've, I've worked in the city since 1986. That's a long time. <laughs> and I just, you know, I look at what I've done and all the various interesting things. But I think what the guild, what's great about the guild is, is, is that it, it, it gives you an opportunity to mix and share ideas with other people, but also give back a bit. And the charitable side of it is really important. And it's getting that blend of the two, which I think is, is, is really interesting. And, and, and a huge opportunity uh, to learn from other people. I think you can always learn. So, yeah, and, it, and, and it's exciting. We have fun as well, don't we, Andrew? We have a bit of a giggle, so we that's do, good as well. We do need <laughs> to have fun, particularly at the moment. We need to have fun and uh, we need to continue having fun. So um, I, I think it actually, for me, Guild membership links to exactly what we've been talking about today, which is mental health, which is it? it's a support, it's the fellowship, it's knowing that there's a safe place to have a discussion and it's knowing that there are people you can reach out to for support, ideas, mentorship, which um, makes a difference in difficult times, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that, that, that is, I think you're absolutely right, that having that safe space where you can actually bounce ideas around and talk about you know, things that you're, you are finding difficult and tough. You can't always do that with your colleagues in an organisation or even family and friends sometimes. You need to talk to other people who are experiencing similar sorts of stresses and strains. Um, and, and, and that, you know, it's a good valve to help offload some of that and, and, and to learn and share. Yeah, I agree. Andrew, is there anything else you want to share before we bring things to a close today? I don't think so. All I, I think I would say to, to listeners who are, you know, within the HR Guild is do go out and uh, invite friends and colleagues to come and join us, join the gang. Uh, and those who are listening who, who are in the HR space or related and, and haven't thought about it, come along and um, 
you know, see what it's about because I think you know there's a it is a it's a newish. It's only been around for four or five years now, and given the context of the livery movement, which has been around for about eight hundred years, yeah, we're babies. Young. Yeah, we're very young. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing today and your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure.